Okay, so Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. The first registration took place while Cornelius... <clears throat> oh, two pages. ...was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flocks. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born to you, who is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth. To people he favours. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at, the shepherd, at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Amen. Three points I want to point out in this text, okay? The very first was the preparation. How God moved and ministered in the empire. When we're talking about the story of Jesus, we must always remember that it is a tiny pinprick on the map. It's a young man, he's 15, 16, maybe 17, the oldest, and his potential bride they were not married yet it says they were engaged she would have been around 15 maybe 14 years old very young she was a maiden they're living in Nazareth which is the back end of nowhere it's far away from everywhere it's a despised town and yet, in order to get everything the way it's supposed to be, God moves and manipulates the emperor. 
to make a ridiculous, I mean it was a ridiculous request. Everyone in the empire is to be registered. I have to have the name of everybody in my entire empire and the, the, uh, the Roman Empire at that time stretched from the border of Scotland all the way to Persia, to the Sahara, to the, the high up to Germany. It was a massive empire at that time. And God moved in this man's heart that everyone would have to be registered. Where they, who they were, where they were from, their age, their wife, their family connections, what they owned, what they did for a job. It was a very, very uh, complete census registry. And God made that happen in order that Joseph and Mary would have to return to Bethlehem in order that Jesus would have to be born in Bethlehem at the right exact time to fulfill Scripture, to indicate to the world who he was, that he was the fulfillment of what God had said he would do. Let us always remember that God is not constrained by, or controlled or hemmed in by just simply you and me. Well, they're not Christians, so God doesn't have anything to do with them. It doesn't work that way. God moves and manipulates and dictates to the unbelievers in order to, to fulfill his will. No one is above the movement of God. This was the emperor. We don't have anyone in our world today who's like Augustus Caesar. I mean, you might think Putin or Joe Biden. Maybe not to Biden, but you know, some absolute control, some guy who's, who has the entire world under his power. He speaks and the entire world must respond. Think of the much, how much effort and administration had to go into to, uh, registering the entire world at that time or the Roman Empire at that time. This man was a god among men, small g. And yet God was the one who was manipulating him and controlling him. None of us stand above the plans of God. All of us are moved and manipulated and directed by God's plan. So the first indication is look at the supremacy or the the sovereignty of God in history. And over the lives of all men regardless of who they are. And how much God did in preparation for the birth of Jesus Christ. Second, then, we look at the, the angels, the annunciation, the, the, the great declaration that the Messiah had been born. We often think to ourselves, how will we, I, I, or at least I think to myself, I want a straw man out there, I often think to myself, how will we ever tell the villages or Lapland or Eastern Finland about the glory of God, about Jesus Christ? How will we ever get the message out there? How will we ever uh, win all those who are supposed to be reached? Here we see a bunch of shepherds, the, the most despised people in Israel. Shepherds were the outcasts. They were the, the people who you didn't really associate with. Uh, I don't know if we have the same kind of... Uh, 
who would we say in Finland today are the people that you don't really mix with? I don't know. I don't, uh, some sort of untouchable group, the smellies and unwashed, almost like homeless people. People you wouldn't trust with your children. And they're out there on the, on the, the mountaintops, the, the, the fields, the, the, out there, far away from the people so that we don't have to smell them or see them. And they're the unreachables. And they're out there probably at night time. Camped around their little campfires with their sheep. And you're thinking, how on earth would they hear about Jesus? How on earth would we reach them? What evangelistic campaign would we need to do to reach the shepherds? First of all, they were never in the same spot twice. They moved sheep, eat grass all the way down to the roots and basically devastate their environment. You always have to keep them moving because they eat everything. How would we reach them? And yet we see here in the scriptures that God in his sovereign power and plan was able to reach them. He sent an angel to enunciate. Now that is not the standard pattern. Or, you know, angels don't appear to people out in the forest. They're, they're cutting trees down and all that. Oh! I'm not saying that can't happen. But it's not the normal plan. But we see here that God was able to reach the unreachable. That the good news about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ spread and nothing held it back. We should be confident in, again, the sovereignty of God and the reaching of the nations. If you're like me and you worry, how are we going to reach people? How are we going to get the message out there? Be confident that God has a plan and that God can move in supernatural ways to unlock doors, to open up eyes, to illuminate those who are in darkness that they might see a great light. God is not restricted by our inability. God has the ability to step beyond what you and I can do and reach those that we do not believe that can be reached. Second point again. Notice the power of God at work in the, the witness, the, the annunciation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then third point. The shepherds going and witnessing, seeing with their own eyes the birth, or not the birth, the baby, that which they had been told was real. And they marveled and they rejoiced and they witnessed. They went about telling people. You and I have had our eyes opened. I mean, I, I, I don't mean literally physically, but metaphysically. We see clearly that he is who he is, that Christ has come. God has moved in our hearts supernaturally and has opened up our understanding so that we might see. Does it create a culture of joy within us? Do we look at the coming of Christ, not just here on this earth, not the baby Jesus, baby Jesus, Film. Um, but the coming of Jesus in our hearts, that we have been awakened, that we, we have recognized the Savior, that we have received the Savior, 
do we wonder when we look around and, and see all the people around us who are still in darkness, just like these shepherds who were in absolute in wonderment that God had revealed it to them, the least of all the people. And yet they, to them, was given the honor of seeing and witnessing and wondering. And they praise God for his grace. Do we cultivate that? Or are, are we obsessed with the other things of this world and the fact that we're dirty, smelly shepherds? You know, that we're not worth it. There eyes were lifted to the Savior and they worshipped him. You and I need to see Jesus, to see and to recognize all the effort that has gone in to the act of revelation for you and me. How much God has done in order that you and I might receive this Savior. Third point, the realization of worship. We are to worship him and praise God the Father, in all that we do. So in this time of celebration, where we celebrate Christmas, I hate Christmas. If you know the, where the word comes from. Not the, no, I don't hate the celebration. I hate the use of the word Christmas. It's a Roman Catholic word. We're not sacrificing Jesus again. But the celebration, when we celebrate the birth of Christ, the coming of our Savior... Does it cultivate, encourage a worshipful and praising, joyful spirit? Or are you stressed about the food, the presence, the people? It's all too easy for us to get distracted. Let our eyes, the eyes of our being, our innermost being, be focused and fixed upon the coming of Christ that we might bring glory to Him, praise Him. Let us recognize what He's done to get us here. Let us recognize the fact that He's revealed it to us. Let us recognize the fact that we are to be among those who are praising and are full of joy, that they see the reality. We remember the reason for the season. Not just an excuse to eat good food and drink good drink and to gather together with people that we like for the most part. But for Jesus Christ, we are in celebration of his coming. Okay, amen?